Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and we are going to sort of go back to our roots on the podcast today. Our weekly podcast started during this pandemic season with kind of a study of Philippians, and we went through a scripture, uh, a passage from Philippians each week, and we're going to kind of return to that format today of just going through a passage of scripture, talking about it, and looking at it. And so here to join me again for that today is Jason Martin. Hello, Jason. Hey, Warren. Uh, yeah, we're kind of going old school here uh, with digging into the scripture after... Well, I, gotta, I have to admit, uh, I, I wasn't on last week's podcast when you and Rachel talked about, uh, you know, the place of prayer and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as I was listening to it, I thought, man, this is great. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of wondered how am, am I really ne- needed on that podcast anymore? I'm not so sure. So I'm glad that you decided that that it was okay to bring me back, uh, at least for another episode. You're always welcome. Uh, Thanks. But yes, I think we will keep roping roping Rachel into to these conversations, um, and and hopefully she will be a, a frequent frequent contributor to to this space and and many others as she becomes more involved in in what we do and. I, I enjoyed that conversation as well and glad that that you and others did. I've gotten very positive feedback from it, so it seemed it seemed to go well. Yeah, I've, I too have heard a lot of people talk about how, how good it was, and I couldn't help but think, oh, well, yeah, because I wasn't there. I get it. That's fine. <laughs> I can't say I disagree, <laughs> <That's> though. <okay. laughs> everyone, if it makes you feel better, everyone who gave me positive comments were about Rachel also. So oh. you know, I think... We can we can attribute all of it to her and okay. be okay with that. Yeah, that that sounds about right anyway. <laughs> and so, so they're stuck with us again today, though. And um, well, we'll do our best. So, that's right. So we've kind of been doing some different things, some topical, some uh, church related, faith related, and then uh, as, as we both kind of mentioned, we're going to jump back into to kind of where we started with just walking through uh, a passage of scripture today and and doing that and. So we're going to be talking about Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. And so if you want to kind of follow along with us on on your device or Bible, you can do that. I'm going to read this whole story for us. It may be a little bit of a lengthy reading for for this type of setting, um, but that'll help us get the full context of of what's happening in this story. It's a story that you may know well. Uh, It's it's sort of a well-known story, at least bits, bits and pieces of it. And it's actually a story that I had considered using for our, our back-to-school worship service. And, and so I'll explain the connection there and, and why I had considered using it. It may not be an obvious one to use for a back-to-school service, but, but I think there's some interesting connections, and I'll kind of explain at some point why I had considered using it, but that's how we chose this one for today. And I think there are some other connection points to some things that we've been doing. So I'm going to jump in, read this for us, and, and then we'll talk and, and see where we end up with some conversation about this text. So again, Mark 9, 14 through 29. When they came to the other disciples, and they there is referring to uh, Jesus and Peter, James, and John. They've been off at the transfiguration, and now they're, this is them kind of coming back and meeting up with the rest of the group. So they came to the other disciples They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. 
What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only, this kind can come out only by prayer. All right. So, fascinating story. We're, uh, we're not really told anything about the response from the father then after that or what happens to them. Right. Uh, Mark just kind of moves on from there and says, so then they left and they did some other stuff and, <laughs> and that's kind of it. We're just briefly introduced to this dad and his son, this interaction they have with the disciples and Jesus, and, and then the story continues. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, a really interesting story that I think we could take in a lot of different directions. And so I'm curious, Jason, um, hearing this story, what are, do you have sort of some initial takeaways or thoughts or things that just jump out to you from this story? Well, I think it's very easy to become fixated on the whole demon possession idea. And, and I think mm-hmm. you, we could have lots of conversations around you know, what is demon possession? Uh, What did it mean in Jesus's time? What does it mean today? Um, And and I know that plenty of other people in Christianity have had those kinds of debates. Right. But I think kind of digging too far into that, in my opinion, misses the point. Um, That the point of this is about belief And it's about kind of recognizing the limitations of your own abilities, you know, kind of admitting to those things. Um, So, you know, the father in verse 22 says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then Jesus says, if you can, almost incredulously. uh, And Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And then verse 24 actually is one of my favorite verses in the Bible where immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. 
And I think that, that we can definitely see parallels for that in our life where, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're in a uh, just really terrible situation, uh, just absolutely devastating. You see no way out whatsoever. And God, in some way, sends you a message that you're going to get through this. And I think our initial in inclination is to say, what do you mean? I'm not going to get through this. This is terrible. How am I possibly going to get through it? And that's the moment where we have to say, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And then in verse 28 and 29, uh, when Jesus uh, had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Um, now, what does he mean by that? Well, I, I, I don't know specifically, but my guess is that it has something to do with the fact that this isn't a problem for you to solve. This is a problem that even though I've bestowed upon you, my disciples, great authority, this is a problem that you have to turn over to the Lord. You have to turn over to a higher power that you can, that, that you answer to. And I think that both of those are lessons that, that we can take away from that. And, you know, not to say that we can't have the conversations around demon possession and what does that look like and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but I think those are probably the more salient and immediately applicable lessons that this passage provides. I agree. And I think, I do think sometimes in these stories that the demon possession stuff can sort of become red herrings almost that yeah. can distract us from, from the, the reason that it seems like Mark and other writers include them, mm -hmm. that, that it doesn't seem like they're trying to make a point or, or prove the existence of demon possession. Right. Um, but, but yeah, that they're pointing to things like belief and, and prayer and those types of things. And, and yeah, we can get maybe bogged down sometimes in, was it a demon? What's meant by impure spirit? Can spirits still possess people today? Can, can a Christian be, um, uh, be possessed by a, a, an evil spirit, all kinds of things that, that we could get into that may have some relevance in place, as you said. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, it, it, we don't need to let those things distract us from, from what the writers seem to be leading us toward, uh, which I think we, we've kind of both said and agree with. And, and yeah, there seems to be this commonality between the disciples and, and the father in this story of this idea that Jesus seems to be sort of reiterating to both of them in a sense almost, which I, I hadn't necessarily thought about this way until you were kind of talking and, and sharing your thoughts, but that maybe in, in both of their cases, there seems to be this need to realize that there may be some things that they cannot do on their own, mm -hmm. but that they are equipped to do through faith in Jesus. Mm. And that if they are, are turning to him in their faith, that there are things that they can, uh, that they are equipped to to do more than maybe they think they can or think they are able to, through faith and through prayer. Right. And it's sort of a coming to to realize that. Mm -hmm. And so I I agree that that verse twenty four has is is one of my favorite verses as well. And it's just I mean grammatically it doesn't make sense almost right I do believe help me overcome my unbelief uh -huh. and so you just you know you look surface level and it's like well he's talking nonsense and yet it's a statement that I think at least for me is like instantly relatable oh yeah I think we can all identify with that state yeah I'm guessing we can all identify a time where it was like yeah I believed I I had faith I I knew it but then when when it came just right down to it 
man, I was struggling with doubt and questions and I, and I couldn't just, I couldn't make myself follow through on it. Maybe it was a moment when, when we believed in our head, but, but that didn't translate to our heart or our feelings or, or our actions or something like that. And, and I just think about this dad, especially now as a parent, thinking about what this dad has seen his son go through, mm. regardless of what you think has actually uh, been inhibiting or has been wrong with his son. His son is enduring a lot. Mm-hmm whatever the exact nature of that is. And for for a a dad to watch his son go through that, just the faith that it takes to let yourself believe that if if I put him in this that that this can go away or that I'm going to allow this person to try to do something to him that would take that away, especially when I'm sure he's had many failed attempts mm-hmm. through maybe doctors, through his through Jesus's disciples and I mean, surely, you know, Jesus' disciples, this isn't the first time I would guess that he's tried to do something that would take this spirit away from his boy. Right. And, and so, yeah, why wouldn't you have doubts? Why wouldn't you have questions? Of course, it would be a struggle to allow yourself to believe that, yes, something's going to take this away from my kid. And, and all that swirling through this guy's head. Um, yeah, I mean, I can just hear the, the exasperation in his voice, the doubt, the hurt, the fear, the pain. When he says, "But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us," um, that's just that's such a broken sentence to me. I think. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think is meant by pity? And maybe maybe we're trying to parse, you know, words that uh, that maybe meant something different um, at the time this was written than how we mean it today. But what what do you think it meant by "take pity on us"? I don't know. Do you have a thought? I, I kind of equate it with show compassion on us that take, you know, pity. We, we usually equate that with something negative. Uh, I think in our modern day, it's like, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want your pity or that person is so pitiful. We don't really right uh, use that, those, those, that word in a positive connotation. We certainly don't ask for pity. Mm. And so I, I, I think maybe a way to understand this is show compassion on us. Uh, show, show us the grace that maybe can only come from you. Um, and, and I think within that is also this sense of um, I, I feel alone. I feel um you know, I, 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 I feel out of options. I feel hopeless. And I think that's something that we can probably identify with a lot more. And, and in fact, I think that that's probably something that we should recognize that, you know, what he's asking for is probably something we could demonstrate to all people in any case. I don't know that just just that wording there. And then, you know, what what Jesus says is is. You know, it can sound a little harsh. It, it, you know, he he essentially <laughs> says, "Wait, if <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? Of course, I can do something about this." <laughs> right? Yeah. And I want to I want to come back to that in a minute because I think that's I, I think that's there's there's a couple of really interesting things here that Jesus says throughout this story yeah. that I want to come back to. But but yeah, it's just a quick just looking up that word really quickly here that that word pity. It does seem that maybe compassion would be what we would think of kind of a, as a better fit there, right? Um, at least in terms of how we think of compassion and and pity. And for instance, that word is used twelve times, and in, at least like in the King James, it's always translated as "have compassion" or "be to moved with compassion." Well, there you go. So it's 
it's something tied to compassion. And in fact, the definition of it, at least in the, this, what I looked up here, I'm, even gonna, I'm not even going to pr- try to pronounce this word without listening to it first, but the definition of it is to be moved as to one's bowels, hence to be moved with compassion. Uh, <laughs> for the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. So <laughs> there you go. To be moved to one's bowels with compassion Right. would be a great line to include in this story. I wish they had to just put that in the translation. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I just, that, that just demonstrates how far we have, have fallen from, you know, understanding compassion and, and you know, pity for other people and, and just being compassionate towards other people is that we don't even think about it as coming from the bowels. And I don't know, maybe we should. Maybe that's a good thing we need to go back to. Yeah, like in your gut, down right. down deep. Reach right. down deep and find something that you can feel for somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, instead of pity. Because, yeah, pity, I think we associate pity with something or someone who's sort of lower than us, mm. I think. Yeah, it's it's a qualitative judgment, right? It, it's that... You know, I, I pity those that are lesser than me in in one right. way of thinking or another. Yeah, yeah. But but what this dad seems to be asking Jesus is, will you will you find it within yourself to feel some feel something for me and our family, feel some compassion for us, right? And and may that move you to something. And and so to to come back to Jesus then. Uh, so Bill and I, Bill Knipe, another one of our elders, and I were actually having this conversation the other day about wishing that we knew Jesus's inflection with some of the things that he says. Hmm. And and that applies to at least two statements from Jesus in this story, probably more. But like the first one is when, at the beginning, when Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? Hmm. Like, I just picture Jesus just letting out a big sigh before he says that. And it's like, oh, come on, people. <laughs> Because again, he's just come back from like this, literally this mountaintop moment, right? Right. Where he's on the the transfiguration scene and just everything that goes into that. And this whole chapter is really fascinating with, with just all how all the different pieces fit together. Uh, and so you can, others could go back and read that later. But, but like Jesus has come back from this incredibly illuminating experience, literally illuminating experience, experience. And he comes back. And he immediately just finds people arguing mm-hmm. and, and they're like, well, we're trying to do this and we can't, and why can't this happen? And so he, I just picture him just like letting out this sigh, like, all right, I'm back with these people again <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to keep putting up with all their stuff. Yeah. Um, so I wish, I wish we knew how Jesus said that one, but the one in verse 23 is the same. Just those three words that translated as three words, at least in English of if you can. Because if you read in a lot of translations, um, even like the English, uh, English Standard Version, which is one a lot of people use, the ESV, um, instead of a question mark, they will put an exclamation point there, hmm. which totally changes how you read those three words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because uh, like, like you said, I've always kind of read it as Jesus like incredulously, again, kind of sighing at the other people, like, what do you mean if you can? Right. Right. Uh, like, do you know who you're talking to? If you can, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, but if you put an exclamation point there, it almost makes more sense to me and almost puts the emphasis back on the dad. Like, no, it's not about if I like if you can, like where the emphasis is on you for the dad. Right. Like, it's not about if I can, if you can, because then he says everything is possible for one who believes. And so he seems to be he's turning it back on the guy. 
that you're asking me if I can do it, but the question is, is about your faith and, and belief. And, uh, yeah. and do you, do you have the belief and the faith to, to kind of put yourself out there and, and this is about you and your belief not my ability to be able to do it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense that it's not so much, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of incredulity on Jesus's part, but it's not so much about him being incredulous as much as it is turning the question back on the man. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's to me what connects that one and what connects Jesus's response to the disciples where where they come back later and they're like, hey, why couldn't we do that? Hmm. And, and he says, this kind can only come out by prayer. And what's interesting there, again, just kind of thinking through it maybe in, in new ways, just as we've been talking, he doesn't say, like, don't worry, only I could have done this one, right? He doesn't say, <laughs> this one could have only come out by me. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says, this one can only come out by prayer. And so in each one, he seems to be indicating to these people, like, you've got the tools that you need to be able to do this mm. stuff. Just go do it. And... And so it makes me wonder, like, so how were the disciples trying to do it? <laughs> what were they trying to do? Were they just trying to, did they have this? Because we know kind of from, again, a story that comes next. They, they may, I, I can imagine how they've kind of got this inflated view of themselves and, and what they're able to do, right? And maybe so they start thinking, hey, we're big stuff. We can cast out demons now. And then it turns out they can't. Um, and so, yeah, we, there's some things that you need to go to in, in prayer and commit to prayer. And so it makes me wonder what the disciples were trying to do. But then to connect this to some things that we have been doing and talking about recently, uh, we talked in several of our kind of programs and gatherings last week about prayer. It sort of makes me think, what are we trying to do on our own that we instead need to be committing to prayer? Um, what are we holding maybe from a place of, of disbelief, of doubt, of, of anxiety? Um, what, what are things that we're holding on to and trying to, to kind of conquer ourselves that we need to commit to prayer? Yeah. And I think that's a connection point here between us and the disciples. Well, and I think that that also really much speaks to something we talked about in, in uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, and I can't remember specific episodes, but I know it's come up. With regards to our time of waiting and this time being in a pandemic and lots of plans are changing, there's a lot of uncertainty around, you know, how much longer do we have to put up with this? What kind of changes are we going to have to endure? You know, how long do I have to keep wearing a mask whenever I go out? Um, you know, school year, a new school year is about to start. You know, is that going to actually, you know, produce any kind of, you know, meaningful, uh, you know, educational results? You know, a lot of uncertainty. We we are a species that likes to be in control and sometimes demands to be in control. When it comes to, you know, our anxiety in this time, that's that's kind of where we have to recognize that we can't be fully in control to, to allow us to just kind of rest and to, you know, take care of what we can take care of, but to have some peace in turning over what we can't to God. Absolutely. And, you know, again, what are, kind of one of the things that I referenced at the beginning is this idea that Mark just kind of leaves the scene there and, and starts transitioning to something else. Mm -hmm. I wish that we had like this kind of, it's kind of af after the fact interview with the dad. Yeah. We could just sit down with the dad and be like, okay, so you said this to Jesus. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Walk us through some of that now. Right. So, right. Uh, like I'm guessing just the simple fact that Jesus healed his kid 
certainly would have transformed some of that doubt into belief for sure. Mm -hmm. But I would love to just hear him talk about, so what else, what, like, what did you hear in Jesus's words? Uh, Where did you find comfort and and compassion in in what Jesus did and, and how he responded? And in all of that, and I'd, I'd love to know just how he leaves from there and, and what he takes forward with him. Um, yeah. Because I, I think you do see this recurring theme in Scripture of, you know, I've talked about it before with David, that, that part of the reason David is able to go out and fight Goliath is he's able to see, hey, God has worked in my life in the past, and, and the God who delivered me from all these other things in the past will deliver me from this Philistine. Yeah. And I think I have to think that this dad carries that with him here too that that the the Jesus who who rescued my boy from this spirit is going to be able to rescue me from man just about anything I'm able to encounter from here going forward. Um my my role is to stay prayerful and to stay faithful in that Jesus in that God who has been able to do that for me. And and I thought of that because I think that speaks to what you were saying there that that the more times we are able to have faith and to be prayerful and and to recognize the times where I'm not in control um, and and recognize the ways that God pulls me through those, the easier it's going to be to do that going forward. Um, And and the more I'm going to be able to rely on that and and to be able to get through those those situations. Yeah. Well, and, you know, thinking about how the what the father kind of thought going forward, I also am wondering, you know, he had to have had some amount of belief to even ask the question of Jesus. Right, yeah. So, I mean, there's some desperation there, I suppose, but, but there's some belief. What was it that brought him to that point? Uh, you know, that, and we ha- there are characters all throughout the Bible. There, there are individuals, people in the Bible, you know, all the time, where I wish we had more of their backstory. I wish we knew a little bit right. more about how much did they know of Jesus coming into this situation? Because time and time again, you know, he has, Jesus obviously has a reputation that to, to one degree or another precedes him. So where does that reputation come from? And, and so what is it about Jesus or, or his disciples? And in fact, if anything, I would, I would be suspicious that, you know, his disciples couldn't really do it. And so, that that I think would be a shot against Jesus in the mind of the father uh, of that of the the boy's father because uh, if, if his disciples can't do it then they may not be you know really all they're cracked up to be so he probably can't either and yet he comes in seemingly as far as we can tell you know full of of acceptance and belief that he can that Jesus can do something uh, to the point where he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Yeah, I, I would love to hear more about this guy's story, both, you know, after this point, uh, but also leading up to it. Right, absolutely. And because again, like I said earlier, don't you know, he's just had an insane experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have to sit there and say, like, again, we could talk on and on about what it is that this kid, you know, the spirit or whatever. But where, where does it say, it says like, it, it's repeatedly thrown him into fire and into the water. Right. Like, just imagine the life that this dad has had to have with his kid. Right. Um, and and I always think in stories like this now, I've, I've shared this story before in some, we've got all these different platforms now from podcasts to Zoom to classes to sermons. So, <laughs> so I don't know who all listens to all of them. And I don't remember where I told this story before. But uh, I remember one time I was teaching on the story of uh, what we call, quote unquote, doubting Thomas. And how I had this this woman who was a, a grandmother, and 
And she shared a story from her life that made me think about that story completely differently because she said she had one of her grandkids um, right after she was born. Uh, she was in the hospital and had to go to the NICU for, for several days. And it looked like this you know, newborn baby was, was probably going to die. It looked like she wasn't mm. going to make it. Um, and, and basically the family had, had kind of all said goodbye to her, um, is, is my recollection. And so the grandparents then went home, uh, and, and then the, this, this baby started to get better and started to regain strength. Um, and, and they ended up being able to take her home. And, and this, this grandmother who was telling the story said, I couldn't let myself believe that she was going to be okay until I could actually see her. And so she said, when I hear Thomas say that, like I hear hurt and pain and I hear someone who wants to believe so badly, but just isn't going to let themselves get there until he can actually see it. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and so I almost like, I can imagine hearing that with his dad too, right? Like I've looked in, I've looked to so many different places for answers, but I can't allow myself to say this is going to work until it actually does. And, and I think there are, there are times when we find ourselves in those places and, and man, that's, that's hard. Cause I certainly haven't been in anything as, as traumatizing or as, you know, kind of life or death type situation as, as those situations. Mm-hmm. And, but even still, I think we can all point to those times where it's like, yeah, I, I want to put myself out here in this way, but what if it doesn't work? Yeah. Um, what if, what if I move in faith in this direction and, and things don't work the way that I thought they were? And, and so I think some of that is just us being willing to do it and to move forward in faith. And if something doesn't work, then we learn from that and we, we change course and we move a different direction and, and keep going. And, and so I think there's just, um, there's so much for us to take from the story, I think, about, about belief and about prayer and, and about sort of moving com- forward confidently in, in our trust in Jesus and, and, and stepping out there and just kind of trying some stuff and <laughs> seeing what happens almost. Yeah, uh, I, I think about, you know, a leap of faith, the question or the, the concept of a leap of faith. Um, and that concept has meant a lot for me in my life, especially when I would come to moments in my life where I really didn't know what the right choice was, or I really didn't know what the right path forward was. And uh, I don't remember who, you know, kind of imprinted this on my mind, but in those moments, I've decided, okay, I'm going to make the best choice or the best decision that I know how to make. I have no assurance that it's the right choice but i do have the assurance that even if it's whether it's right or wrong that god can guide me through that path Mm -hmm. and so that actually has been very liberating to allow me to make decisions and to make choices not because i was convinced it was the right thing to do but because i was making the best choice that i could at the time and just trusting that god would make up the difference god would see me through god would would help facilitate my life you know whatever that path might look like and and again i i don't think that that absolves us from the responsibility of uh you know being responsible and making good choices and that sort of thing uh as best we can you know being thoughtful and being intentional about the choices and the decisions we make but what it means is that to whatever degree, despite our best efforts, we can't um, assure a certain outcome. And, and frankly, that's the way it is most of the time. We can't assure 
particular outcome. Uh, God has a way of making up the difference. So how is this going to turn out good? How is this going to turn out uh, okay? A lot of times the answer is, I have no idea, but God does. Yeah. And I think that's what it means to, to live faithfully is, you know, just taking that deep breath. Yeah. And after we've done our due diligence to recognize that God has, can take it the rest of the way. I guess I never said what, what, I, what I thought connected this with some of our back to school stuff. Mm. But uh, for one thing, throughout this whole chapter, uh, Jesus is referred to as, as teacher at least a couple of times. And there's this repeated theme of people bringing kids to him. Um, and, or Jesus referencing children. And so you have this idea of, of kind of teacher and, and the children coming to Jesus. But that was sort of ancillary to my original thought anyways. But verse 24, which we both said is, is kind of one of our favorite verses, is really where I was originally coming from. This idea of, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fitting that this guy refers to him as teacher and then tells him that. Because I think that to me um, is, is the mark of a good teacher and the mark of good teaching yeah right that that as i think back over good over some of my favorite teachers or the teachers who who impacted me in in sort of meaningful ways it was teachers who who helped me to believe something uh you know in a school system who who helped me to believe something about myself or about my abilities or what i could do and so as i've been thinking about that over the, the past week or so i was like i've been thinking about my sixth grade english teacher who uh, Miss Steele was her name. And I still think of the things that Miss Steele taught us in terms of like prepositions and how to pick up prepositions <laughs> and things like that. Um, but she was really the first person who, who like helped me believe that I could be a writer and that writing was something that I had a skill and a talent for. Hmm. Um, and, and as someone who, especially in my younger years, struggled with sort of confidence and self-confidence, to to like be able to tell myself like yeah I can do this and I'm good at it and this is a talent that that, that I can that I have and that I can develop uh, was very meaningful to me going forward yeah and 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 so I th- when I think of kind of teachers like that it's this ability to to help others see something in themselves or to believe something that they maybe fully didn't see before or believe before. And I think that's the question I would love to come back and ask this guy about Jesus about. So like, what did he help you believe? What did he help you to see? Right. And how are you going to use that moving forward? And, and I think there's a connection to that between teachers and, and the impactful teachers in our lives. But then also from the standpoint that hopefully we are looking for ways that we can, that we can have that impact on others. How can I how can I help others to to see things in themselves um, and and to instill confidence in in my kids in in others that we may be, be discipling um, so that they uh, can grow in in their belief in their trust in in themselves and their confidence in themselves and in their faith in God. Right. I think that's something that we can engage with in all the people that we encounter. So. Right. I don't know, I, even like little things like when you go to the grocery store and you have a uh, somebody who bags your groceries just in the way you like it and they do a good job with that. You know, I think it's it's encouraging to say, hey, I really appreciated that you did. You did this really well. And, and thank you. I think it's those little things. I mean, it's not going to change their life necessarily. Um, but I think providing that kind of encouragement uh, can very often be, you know, the the uh, 
what they need to overcome their disbelief in their own self, you know? And it's not always going to make a, a big difference, but I think that we have a responsibility as Christians to kind of spread the joy of God. And I think part of that just comes in spreading joy in general and spreading uh, this idea that, you know what, you, you do well and you are good. Um, and whoever we happen to encounter, whether that be a student or whether it be, you know, a client that I may have or, or a supervisee that I may have, or someone that we run into at church, or a friend, or a family member, or a neighbor, or just, you know, somebody that bags your groceries at, at the grocery store. Um, I think that, that we can, can help them out with that. So that, when you were talking, that's kind of what it made me think of, is that, you know, helping people kind of overcome their disbelief in their own abilities, and maybe the disbelief that they may have in their own goodness, um, that's something that we can contribute to without even realizing it. But we have to work at it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the cool thing too is when, when you can do that for someone, um, like you said, kind of directly or indirectly, you can see, you can see a lot of times the change almost in the way that they carry themselves sometimes in that moment. Like I always, I, um, I coached fifth and sixth grade girls basketball for one year when I was, um, a youth minister and good times, man. Um, I bet that was great. Good times. I was actually, I was an assistant coach with uh, our preacher was the head coach Mm. and I was the assistant coach, but our preacher was out of town one weekend. And so I was, I had to fill in and we were undefeated when he left. And then we were losing this game that that I was coaching. So I was like, I'm the worst, like fifth and sixth grade (laughs) girls basketball coach in Clifton, Texas that ever was. And so we get to the end of the game and we're down by one and our best players at the free throw line about to take free throws. And she missed the first one. And so the other team called timeout and she comes like sprinting over to me. Um, and she's like, if I miss the, this one, we have to get the rebound. If I miss this one, we have to get the rebound. And I told her, this was like my greatest coaching moment. Cause I told her and the rest of the team around us, I said, no, you're going to make it. And after you make it, here's what we're going to do. And like her whole like physical disposition changed. Hmm. And like, it was because I knew like she makes them all the time in practice. She's the best player, not only in our team, in the league. She's the best player by far. She has every ability to make it. She just didn't believe that she could. Yeah. Um, and like literally. Well, her, and, and the even way if she, she I, I can guess that even if she believed that she could, there's always that question of doubt of what if I don't? Right. I, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Right. right? Like it's that. Um, yeah, but what if I don't? And so she went out and she made it and we won the game in overtime. So it all worked out. <laughs> and that was, um, that was the pinnacle of my coaching career. I said, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm retiring. I'll just leave it there. And you didn't have to <laughs> hang your head when the head coach came back. <laughs> that's right. I was able to tell him that we won. And so I'm one and oh in my head coaching experience. Wow. <laughs> um, that's a, a perfect but, winning percentage. That's impressive, Warren. That's right. Just went out on top and um, we'll leave it there. Um, although Isley is begging me to coach her basketball team whenever we're able to play sports again. Oh, she wants yeah. me to coach her team. So I think that's in the offing. So we'll we'll see how that goes. That's cool. If if we're able if we're ever able to get close enough to play basketball again. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I do think that's a that's a powerful way that we can impact others um, and that we can. Um, can impact, I think, ultimately the kingdom and, and have, have an effect on, on those around us. 
Uh, well, we've probably kicked this around enough. In, any closing thoughts on that or any of those other things that we've talked about today before we close out? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think that most of my thoughts on this, you know, we, we discussed. I, I look forward. I know that this is kind of a tangentially related to, uh, you know, the ser- Sunday's sermon. And as of our recording right now, I haven't heard that yet. So I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing that. Of course, everybody listening to this podcast will have already heard that, presumably. That's right. And if you haven't, uh, yeah, so we're, we're doing this beforehand. It, that has, all that hasn't been completely put together yet, so it's kind of weird talking about it in the past tense. But <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet, I think it's going to come together as a really cool service. And uh, so I hope, I hope people will check it out if they haven't yet. And, and we'll, uh, we'll continue on with more topics and, and thoughts in our podcast from here on out. We're, we're glad that every, that all those who listen take time to do so, and we'll, we'll keep it going. Hey, just one other kind of note I'd like to put out to anybody who's listening. Um, you know, Warren and I like putting this together, but uh, I think it would be great if we had people submit ideas for something we could talk about, just something that is discussion-oriented, Not no, no promises that we'd be able to get to it. Um, but I think what we like talking about are subjects that maybe don't really fit for a sermon topic, um, but that, you know, work in a conversational back and forth, either just with Warren and I, or maybe including Rachel or other guests, but just uh, conversational po- topics. If there are things like that that you want to, uh, that you would like for us to talk about or that you think would be a good fit, let us know. Um, send us an email or give us a call or something like that, and, and we'll we'll see if we can maybe get some of that in. Very true. Good. Yeah. Good point. And I did, I told our zoom group that those, uh, who, who come and hang out with us on, on Wednesday nights on zoom, I told them that as well. So, um, yeah, whether, uh, whether it's things that, that you think would be good for zoom discussion or, or good in podcast or both. A lot of times we tie them in together. Mm-hmm. So, so let us know. We'd love to hear those things. All right. Well, you want to close us out in prayer today? Absolutely. Jason? Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, end in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are uh, once again um, humbled and amazed at your creation. Uh, we see the people around us and the, the works of your hands, and God, we uh, are blessed by your presence in our life. I, I pray that as we go through our life that we um, not only look to you for comfort and peace, but that in those times of uncertainty, when, when we don't know what we're going to do, we don't know how we're going to get through, help us with our unbelief in those moments. Ease our pain, ease our hearts of, of stress and suffering. Um, help us to see that, that even when things look bleak, that you have a way of guiding us through. Um, we often want to rely on our own devices, on our own intelligence, on our own actions, and and while, Lord, I pray that we never uh, put off that responsibility, that to whatever degree we're unable to uh, perfectly, to our satisfaction, guide our life, Lord, that we trust that you will do that, that you will take up where we fail and help us to place our faith in you. Thank you again for sending your son, Jesus, for us and for providing him as a model for our life and our attitude and our relationship with each other and with you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.